Let's do better than that. Good morning, New Life. Yeah, we need to be a little loud today. I feel it in the air, so we need to be loud. Uh, We're going to open up. I just want to share a message from Manghild Jasper. Manghild is one of the matriarchs of the church. She's been here since I think it was 1976 when she started becoming, uh, started, started attending, came to know Christ as her Savior through this ministry. And uh, she's just been a, one, she's one of those uh, older women in the church that is just the ultimate blessing. Like you look at her as a mother and a grandmother and a grand-grandmother and a great-great-great-grandmother because she's really old. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying that because she's been here a long time and been very supportive of us. But she hasn't been able to make, make it to church for the last three years because of COVID and her age. And so she's getting close to be being ready to go to be with the Lord. And so she just wanted me to say to you, she misses being in church. She misses you. She misses singing. She misses worship. She misses my preaching. (laughs) So we're going to pray for Manghild real quick. Can we do that? Father, thank you for godly women, especially the ones that stay with it and stay faithful. I can't wait to see what happens when she hits heaven. Somebody that nobody would have noticed, you noticed. So give her peace today. Give her physical comfort. Let her know it's almost time to go home. Encourage your heart. Thank you for blessing us with her. Thank you for blessing me as her pastor with her. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, let's worship. Let's stand. Resurrection. 
say thank you for your faithfulness uh, concerning tithes and offerings. We know uh, that behind every act of sacrificial generosity is a lot of labor behind that. And we're just using uh, a currency. So I just want to thank you for that. We know that there's uh, labor behind that, but also a spirit of charity and giving and God knows that I'm just going to pray over our tithes and offerings right now Lord we ask that you receive these offerings as our act of faith and worship in you Father please I'll speak like Nehemiah and say Lord please remember our acts please remember us in doing this we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let's rejoin heavenly bodies and brothers and sisters around the world in worshiping God. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. 
Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. We know there is power in the name of Jesus. Come break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Come break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus.
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles with praise. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles with praise. Come on now, lift your praise. Come on, lift your praise. Lift your praise. Lift your praise. Something that happens when we fix our eyes on Jesus instead of ourselves. Things happen. Power just gets released when we fix our eyes on Jesus. All of a sudden, our circumstances, anything, any worries, anything we're going through, just seems to fall off and fade away because Jesus is all we're concerned about. Because we want to praise Him for who He is. He's the perfecter. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who lights our path. He goes before us. Jesus is the one who calms our storm. He's the one. He's the one and only. So he deserves our praise. He deserves our praise. And as we praise, the enemy will flee. Walls fall down. The enemy will go away. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because the battle belongs to Jesus.
Father, we love you and we need you. And right now, this is a room filled of people that want you. So walk in the room. Change everything. Move us to a place of praise where we will stand before our enemies and show them we're not afraid. Because we stand with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Encourage our hearts to continue this worship. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We've been praying for schools every week since school started. And I, I took Lewis and Clark this week. I took it because there was a child that I heard that I think was in the fourth or fifth grade who said to another child, and I know this is common, but I still want you to hear how I'm going to pray about it. A child in fourth or fifth grade said to another child, I wish you'd just kill yourself. Now, I don't understand how fifth graders or fourth graders get that mentality. And what scares me more is what it says to the the other person they were speaking to. So I'm going to pray that that young person meets Christ. That that young person meets Christ and that their family meets Christ. Because I believe if Jesus is in the home, they don't think that way. I think if Jesus is in the home, they think of hope and help and happiness and joy and peace and comfort. They don't think you should go kill yourself. We're not playing in a time that was my generation where that was never said. That wasn't even thought back in my day. We didn't even think that way. But now it's common. So we got to pray against that. Do you believe that? So let's pray. Father, I want to just get to the point. Show yourself alive to the young man who said that to the other individual. Let him see that there is love that pours out of you that he's never felt from his parents. Even if his parents do love him. They can't love him the way that you love him. Let him feel that love. Let him know that love. Let him know that life that you have for him. Give him a heart filled with joy because Jesus loves him. Be with his family, Father. Let them know the love of Christ. So that little boy can feel love, not just from you, which is awesome. But from his family, that's the kind of love that would never say... Why don't you just end your life? Let that young man and let that family have a new life in you. A new hope. A new happiness. Father, there are children in our world that need you. You are their only hope. You are their only hope for salvation. You are the only hope for safety. You're the only hope for security. You're the only hope for strength. Pour that out on them, Lord God. 
Let that child know you. Because you'll change everything. And Father, I hear the chains already falling. We love you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. This world needs you, Jesus, desperately. Let us as a church be encouraging to families. Encouraging them to know who you are by the way that we love. They will know we're your disciples by the way we love them. Let us not look down at little boys that make statements they don't understand. But let us look up to you who will change everything for him. Move in his heart. And move in our hearts to be the kind of church that loves people the way that you love. And it's in Jesus' name that we are allowed to pray to you. And I hope we all agree and say amen. Amen. Thank you, Caleb. Good morning, New Life. We had this great worship service. And now I'm hoping that I don't blow it with my sermon. I'm starting to feel like I'm on a whole different level. Not, not level like higher than, but like just a whole different place. Uh, the scriptures tell us that as much as we are alive, so is the word of God. Do you believe that today? That when we hear it preached, when we hear it taught, when we read it, it is just as alive in that moment for you, speaking to you, talking to you, encouraging you, as you are alive in the moment. So, because it's alive, it, I prepared three sermons this week. Two of them were sermon prep, just producing sermons because that's what you do sometimes. And one that spoke to me. So you're going to get that one. So have a little grace as we run through this. Because this sermon is for anyone who's going through a difficult time. And maybe that's not you. Maybe that's your spouse or maybe it's a friend. Someone's going through a difficult time. We live in this earth that's difficult as it is. In this story that we're going to read today, a friend of Jesus by the name of Lazarus fell ill and his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent for Jesus to come and help. And Jesus replied this to those disciples in John chapter 11 and verse 4. So if you have a Bible you want to use, go ahead and turn to John. Otherwise it's on the wall. But when Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard he was ill, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let me make a simple, I'm going to make several statements after I read the scripture and then I'm going to get to the point. Three quarters of this sermon is introduction and the rest is sermon. So be ready. Let me just make a statement. Bad things happen, but the purpose might be that Jesus is be glorified in it. You might be going through something. You might be going through a difficulty. You might be going through a trial or whatever. 
The purpose of it might be that it brings glory to God. It might not be about you as much as it's about him. And after hearing this bad news, Jesus waits two more days in the place where he was. And when questioned by his disciples, why, why wait? Because we do that. We, we wonder why God doesn't show up in our time. And he says this, Jesus says this in John chapter 11 and verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, does he, not, he does not stumble. Sorry, I read that wrong. Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What Jesus is replying to them is saying that bad things happen, but there's always opportunity for the light to be seen. The light being Jesus. Every opportunity, every negative thing that happens in our life, every negative thing that happens around us is an opportunity for people to see Jesus. Do you believe that today? Bad news you get might be an opportunity for people to see Jesus, see the light. But without Jesus, when bad things happen, it's easy to stumble into doubt and depression and discouragement. You ever have bad news that just depressed you? Discouraged you? Demoralized you? I'm running out of these. <laughs> the disciples in this moment can't seem to understand what Jesus is doing. And Jesus replies this way. Jesus told them plainly in verse 14. Lazarus has died. I love it when Jesus is just straight up. Right? Yeah. I, I, I prefer for Jesus to be right, truthful, short, sweet, to the point. I wish more people would learn that with life, with Christianity. Like, we don't need long-winded sermons. <laughs> Checking the time. Long-winded prayers. But they can't understand what Jesus is doing, which is true. Sometimes we don't understand what Jesus is doing, what God is trying to accomplish in, in, in the moment. We just know we've got bad news. We just know that we've heard something that we don't want to uh, accept or respond to. It's easy to stumble into the darkness. So Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I was glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Have you realized that bad things happen to increase your faith? If everything in your life is good, if everything's going good and everything's perfect and there's just all this wonderful stuff happening, you don't really need God as much, do you? I know for myself, I pray more when I have problems than I do when I have peace. I search the scriptures more when I have problems than I do when I have peace. I attend church more faithfully when I have problems than I do when I have peace. I'm going to say this over and over again until somebody says amen because it's true. <laughs> so the bad thing happens to increase our faith. Otherwise, all we're doing is we're learning about the scriptures, but we're not really applying them in, into our life. Because to a degree, we have to be forced to actually apply this scripture to us. We must be pushed into a place where we'll trust the word of God. Otherwise, it's just knowledge. We know it to be true, but we don't really have to live it. Now, when Jesus came, verse 17 says, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the grave or the tomb four days. And I thought about that as I, as I looked at it and I really tried to comprehend what was going on in this, this moment here. 
He was in the grave four days, which means he was probably dead six or seven days. Because they didn't just immediately put you in the grave. They, they would, they would uh, anoint you with uh, uh, myrrh and frankincense and all those cool things that we say about Jesus get, get on Christmas. And they would, they would uh, I can't remember what they call it. They would embalm him. Not in the same degree they embalmed today, but they would cover him with oils so that he didn't smell. Or he would sm smell prettier in the grave. But he was really dead probably, pro I would say six days, five, six days. And in that time, things begin to rot on your body. Because they didn't have what they have today where you, you, know, you can stay pretty much together physically for a while and then you begin to break down but this is five or six days and they knew he was going to start stinking meaning that there were parts of him that were going to be rotten and I thought about how when bad things happen it's natural for the fleshy things to begin to break down the things that we trust in the things we rely on the things that we are really external they begin to break down we trust in our flesh until our flesh begins to break down. We trust in our finances until our finances begin to break down. We trust in our, our faith until our faith begins to break down. And it's natural that fleshy things would begin to fall away. I put it this way. Some of Lazarus' unanointed parts had begun to rot. The parts of his life that weren't anointed by God, the parts that were not from God. So the Bible goes on to say in John chapter 11, verse 20, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and, and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, there's lots of ways to read this, and I'm going to read it the way that I usually respond when I'm going through difficult times. I tend to blame God. We have a tendency when difficult things happen to find a way to blame God. If you had been here, if you had kept your word, if you, you were only a few miles away, I think it was two miles away. Am I the only one that blames God when bad things happen? Wow, I am in a room by myself. I'm going to have to replay this online so I can preach to myself. See, we don't blame God when good things are happening. We praise God. But when bad things are happening, even though it might be for the glory of God, we tend to blame Him. Because if God was who we think He is, and if God who is we believe He is, He would never do this to me. He would never allow this to happen. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It goes on in John chapter 11, verse 21, which we'll read again through 27. So I've got a little bit of scripture here. This is almost all scripture, if that's okay, which it doesn't matter because that's what we're going to do anyway. <laughs> Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, if we just had the faith to hold on to that, whatever Jesus asked of his father, the father would give him. If we would just hold on to that, whatever... Jesus would ask of his father, the father would give him. If that was all of our faith and was based on that, we would never have doubts and discouragement and depression. We would never live in the dark. Yes, that's right. 
Bad news would not be bad news because we can just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you ask dad? Because dad listens to you because you're his favorite. Amen? Amen. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So he says, he says, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She asked that. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I call this when bad things happen, we have a semi-faith. We know that when we die, we're going to go to heaven because of what Jesus promised for uh, the, the forgiveness of our sins, right? But what happens when you're still on the earth and you feel like you're dying? And we say, well, I know that when, it, when the end comes, I'm going to go to heaven. I know that I'll be with Jesus one day. I know that one day I'll be with him. This is going to be awesome one day. But what happens when you have bad things happen and you're still alive? Is your faith still a semi-faith? Where we talk about the end, not the moment that we're in? If you had been here, I, I think one of the things she was saying is maybe you can still do it. Yes, Lord, I believe. But do you really believe? I'm not trying to be rude. I'm saying when bad things happen, when, when we get bad news, whatever's going on in your life, we have a tendency to have a semi-faith. We really believe, but we believe in the promises of the end, not the promises of the moment. Like, we know he can heal, but he's not going to heal us. But we know one day we're going to be in heaven and we're not going to have any more tears, not going to have any more pain. But what about now? Now, another thing that I want to bring out of this passage in John chapter 11, verse 32 is, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, why is this important? Because Mary, in the context of the scriptures, is always perceived as the more spiritual one in the family. Mary's the one that sat at Jesus' feet while Martha just served. Mary's the one that chose the right one, Jesus said, the right way to go. So she was perceived as more spiritual. Well, you know what's funny? When bad things happen, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. You're going to have the same questions that people who aren't spiritual are going to have. You're going to have the same questions. And, and I'm saying this not to the super Christian who thinks they're more spiritual because of the way they handle things. I'm talking to the person who doesn't think they're as spiritual as other people. But you have just enough faith in God to seek a miracle. That you, you feel like you don't, you'll never get God to do things like what they'll do for the more spiritual person. He'll do it for you too. It's the same. We, we all have the same questions. We're all equal when it comes to difficult times. I just lost my place. Oh, I put it, when bad things happen, things seem to equal out. You can be a new Christian, you can be an old Christian, but the truth is, is we all have to rely on our faith in God anyway. He goes on to say in John chapter 11, verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, 
see how Jesus loves him. We can just walk away with this and just, this, remember, this is the introduction. I'm just trying to get you into the service. When bad things happen, Jesus still loves you. Because don't you question sometimes when bad things happen, does Jesus really love me? Does he really love me? I mean, because if he really loved me, we, we, we perceive that love means that there's not going to be any trial, there's not going to be any tribulation, there's not going to be any difficulties. We believe that if, if he really loved me, I would never have any problems in my life. I mean, that's what we, how we try to raise our children, right? We love them so much we don't want them to ever suffer any pain or suffering or difficulty or hardship. So we do everything that we can to make sure that our children are never in a position to where they have to trust God. Because we want them to trust us. And that's not a negative. I'm saying that's what we do. But Jesus still loves us no matter what you're going through. Scripture says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we were perfect. He died for us because of our sin. Because of our imperfections. God, I wish we could get a hold of that a little bit better. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've gone through, Jesus has always loved you. Yes. And he always loves you. But then we get to a large passage of Scripture. Let me just read this, the story so we get into it. Because this is the cool part of the whole story. This is what most people think is the whole summary of the story. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. I'm just warning you. <laughs> For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? That's a repeat of John chapter 11, verse 4. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always heard me, hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I tried to yell that, but I lost my voice in the middle of it. <clears throat> I tried to get into it. And, I and the man who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. I love the King James. It says, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Bad things happen, but Jesus can resurrect what's dead. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Bad things happen, but Jesus can resurrect what's dead. Bad things happen, but Jesus can resurrect what's yes. dead. Bad things happen, but Jesus can resurrect yes. what's dead. Your marriage can go through a bad spot, but Jesus can resurrect yes. the dead. Yes. Your physical body might go through a difficult time, but Jesus can resurrect what's dead. We believe that, right? We can go through depression and discouragement and doubt, but Jesus can resurrect the dead. We know that he can resurrect the dead. We believe that he can resurrect the dead. We live because he resurrects the dead. So you can have bad things happen and just understand if it's for the glory of God, Jesus can resurrect the dead. He can take what is dead and bring it back to life. And I love this rebuke from Jesus because I think this is where the word becomes alive for me. Did I not tell you you ever have your mama say that? <laughs> did I not tell you? Did I, do I have to repeat myself? Did I not share this one moment before? Do you not know, do you not understand that if you believed, if you 
believed, you'd see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, I think too often when bad things happen, we choose to dwell in the dark. We choose to stay in the cave. We choose to stay in the tomb. We don't want to dwell in the light because it's not, it's comfortable for some reason to dwell in the darkness of the bad news or the bad thing that's happened to you. How many of you, when you heard bad things happen, you automatically go to the negative? You automatically go to the, you're dying and you're whatever. It's, it's bad. It's just bad. Versus how many of you go, I think Jesus has an opportunity to resurrect something here. See, how did Jesus take a negative experience and make it a positive? He removed the stone that was holding Lazarus in the grave. So they took away the stone. Some of you have a stone of sin in your life that's keeping you in the grave. And you'll stay with that sin. You'll hold on to that sin. You'll hang on to that sin, whether it's pride or whatever. You're not going to let it go. You're going you're you're to keep that stone closed because what happens in the dark is sin. You want to stay with that depression. You just got bad news and you're just, you're Eeyore, as my wife used to call it. <laughs> my life sucks. <laughs> it's never gotten any better. I'm 60 years old and high school sucked. My childhood sucked. Everything, everything sucked. I mean, it's just. Have you ever had a person in your life like that? Like they can't come up with anything positive. It's all negative. It's all bad news. What about doubt? The stone of doubt. You're always doubting God's love. No matter what happens. Because something bad happens. Now God doesn't love me anymore. Jesus doesn't love me anymore. Because this bad thing happened. He must have be punishing me. See, you've got to remove what's holding you in the grave. If you're going to get out of the grave, you've got to remove what's holding you in the grave. If you're going to bring glory to God, you've got to get rid of that thing that's holding you in the grave. You should be on the inside screaming to get out. Instead of staying on the inside just getting comfortable. Pray the way that Jesus prayed. How, how, did, how did Jesus dwell in the light? He, he, he prayed this way, and I love the way he prayed. John chapter 11, verse 41. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, he did not bow his head and close his eyes, even though we say that all the time because you're so distracted. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Like, that's his prayer. I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you've heard me. You always hear me. Yes. Have you prayed that prayer before? You've, you always hear me. Like when we pray, God always hears us. That's a strong faith. That's a strong uh, uh, prayer right there. But I said this on account of the people standing around. That they may believe that you sent me. 
You know what the people were standing around for? The funeral. Because everything was bad. And I think there's a lot of times that the way we pray, it's like we're praying into a funeral. Dear God, I'm in trouble. It's really bad. We don't pray. I know you hear me. You pray. I don't know if he hears me. We don't even have enough faith when we pray to believe that God's hearing what we're praying. Amen. This is still introduction. (laughs) He believed in the power of the word of God. Look at this. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus believed in the word of God. Jesus believed because he was God the Son and the Son of God that when he spoke, he was speaking for God. Do you believe in the power of the word of God? Do you really believe what this book says about God and about you and about him? Do you really believe it? Enough to quote it and say, this thing's not going to kill me. I'm going to trust God in it. And he believed in life. We live in a world that I don't think believes in life the same way that it used to. Maybe it never did. Because verse 44 says, The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus said he came that, he might have, that we might have life and might have it what? Abundantly. abundantly. Yeah. More abundantly. And maybe that's the King James Version again. I get back into my old school ways. Do we really believe in life? Like, Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We say that, but do we live as if he is the life? Like, I have a greater life in Jesus than I ever had in my life. See, when bad things happen, we can stop believing in the power of God and stay in the grave. It seems easier to stay in the grave, but it leaves you standing in the dark. And if you hear these words of Jesus, loose them and let them go, come out of that tomb. If Jesus says to you, come out of that tomb, come out of that darkness, come out of that depression, come out of that discouragement, come out of that doubt, come out of that diseased place, change your attitude is what he's saying. Come out and live. Will you come out and live? That's the introduction. And why I love the word of God, because I believe it's alive for this moment right now. Lazarus has died. That's a bad thing to happen. His sisters watched him die. That's a bad thing to happen. His family and friends knew Jesus was close, but he died anyway. That's frustrating. You know, Jesus is only two miles away and he doesn't show up to do what you think he should do. That's a bad thing to happen. Jesus experienced their sadness, and the Bible says Jesus wept. And when Jesus weeps, that's a bad thing. When you break the heart of Jesus, there's bad things going on. 
But faith, at the very least from Jesus, was enough to bring Lazarus back to life. Is that not a good thing to happen? And he brought a newfound joy into the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus because he was once dead and now he's alive. And if the story ended there, that would be awesome. But we end to read the Bible, read the Bible the way that it's kind of marked out for us. We have chapters and chapter 11 ends the story with Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. But chapter 12 goes on to tell the rest of the story. You see, I've preached on this passage numerous times, but I've never really focused on chapter 12. In verse 11, verse 4, chapter 11, tells us that there's more to the story. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man be glorified through it. See, I've always believed that the Son of God was glorified just through the resurrection of Lazarus. But there's more to the story. In chapter 12, if you go there, we'll find Lazarus and he's gone from death to life and now he's dining with Jesus. He's having dinner with Jesus. Hey, when you've been dead and you get to dine with Jesus, that's a cool day. Of course, Martha served because that's what she did and Mary sacrificed. If you read the story, that's what happened. All beautiful pictures of Christianity, that's what Christianity should be. Serving and sacrificing and dining with Jesus. Just get that image in your mind. Dining with Jesus. Serving. Sacrificing. There was so much joy in the house after this. That the house had a, was filled with a fragrance. A fragrance of joy. When Jesus resurrects you from the dead. Your house should have much joy. Being filled with fragrance of worship. I remember when my, 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 my stutter, 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 stutter. I echoed that out. When my wife first got saved, I remember coming home and man, she, the house was full of worship. She didn't even know how to worship, if there is a way to know how to worship. She was, just, there, she was singing and she was happy and she was joyful and she was excited to come tell me that Jesus just saved her soul. And I took all the joy out of it with my attitude. If Jesus resurrects you from the dead, there should be joy in your home. John chapter 11, verse 4, Jesus heard it. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Lazarus, sitting at the table of Jesus, being served by his sisters. I'm sure he appreciated life like he's never had before. And I wonder if we appreciate life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Do we really appreciate the life that he's given us? Do we live with a joy that that is, um, I forgot the verse. Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Is that the right word? I had to turn to Mark. We find we get bad news. Do we stay with joy or do we go back to the negative? Mm -hmm. 
See, he was once dead and now he's alive. You were once dead in your sins and trespasses. And now through Jesus Christ, you're made alive. Is there joy in your life because of that? Like, does that make you happy that you were a sinner and now you're saved because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross? Can you give Jesus a little praise for saving your sinning soul? I guess not. I just don't think there's enough joy. Oh, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of depression and discouragement and doubt, disease, death. But Jesus resurrected us from all that. But I want you to see what I've never seen before in this passage. John chapter 12 and verse 9. When a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came. Not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. They didn't want to just come and see Jesus. I mean, listen, if Jesus resurrects someone from the dead, I want to go to that party. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to be there when it happens. I don't want to be part of the funeral crowd anymore. I want to be part of the party crowd. Because Jesus resurrected some from the dead. But they weren't just there to see Jesus. I mean, because I would. I would want to see Jesus. But they also wanted to see Lazarus. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Isn't that double jeopardy? Like, if you've died once and been resurrected from the dead, you don't have to die again. Like, unless you're an old man, then, then that's okay. But they wanted to kill him. Why would they want to kill Lazarus? What did La Lazarus didn't do anything but come out of the tomb. I'm going to say that again. Lazarus didn't do anything but come out of the tomb by faith. He heard the voice of Jesus. He trusted that voice and came out. He was wrapped up. He couldn't see. He heard the voice of Jesus, followed the voice out of the cave. See, the problem was because of the account of him, speaking of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The leaders of the religious crowd were upset over what Jesus did, resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, but they were really not just wanting Jesus dead. They had plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Let me make this clear, because here's the point of the whole sermon. When bad things happen, the devil's not only wanting Jesus to die. He's wanting you to stay dead. He had plans for men to crucify Jesus and he had plans for men to crucify Lazarus. Lazarus became the enemy of the religious not because of anything that he did but because of what Jesus did for him. See, if they let Lazarus live, he would be the evidence of who Jesus really is. So Lazarus had to die again. Which I think is funny because I wonder what would have happened if they would have killed him and Jesus would have resurrected from the dead a second time. That would have been cool. <laughs> I 
Because on account of Lazarus, many people were coming to know Jesus. Because of what Lazarus went through. Lazarus became the evidence of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. He became the proof of the power of God unto salvation. That's why they wanted to kill him. He became the proof of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of, of God and salvation. What does that have to do with bad things? When bad things happen to you, you're not just... It's not just that Jesus would be glorified in what he does by raising him from the dead. People also see the fruit of that resurrection in Lazarus. See, your life, no matter how bad things are, can bring glory to God the Father yes. and the resurrecting power that He has. Yeah. And people can come to know Christ as their Savior, not because you're able to save them, but because your Savior shows them that salvation is possible. Because who believed that He could raise people from the dead? The bad thing that's happening to you or happened to you is setting you up to be proof of who Jesus really is. It is for the glory of God. You are the proof. You are the proof. And that's why Satan continues to attack you and continue to go after you because he knows if I can just kill them and keep them in the cave, if I can just get them to not believe the voice of God, if I can get them just not to believe the voice of Jesus, if, I, if, they, if he cries out, come out, and they just stay in the grave, I win. See, you are the evidence that Jesus can resurrect dead things to life. If he can just get you to stay in, that, in, in, in your bad place in your marriage and be depressed about it, be discouraged about it, not trust him, not hear his voice, not obey his word, just get you to stay in that dark place, you'll never be a light to the world. You'll never bring glory to God and you'll never get out of that place of death. I've literally watched people spend all of their lives in the grave. And Jesus keeps crying out, come forth, come forth, come forth. And all they keep hearing is Satan say, you're a dead man. There's no hope. See, Satan knows that sinners see the stone rolled away in your life and that you're sitting with the Savior, and that he sunk, so he hates you. So whatever bad news you've got, whatever bad news you've experienced, it might just be it's for the glory of God, but you've got to come out of that cave. You've got to hear the voice of Jesus come out of that cave and have the kind of home that he had in chapter 12 where it's a home filled with joy and peace and a fragrance of happiness and love and faith. See, you become proof of the power of God and salvation. People won't believe your religion, but they will believe your resurrection. You resurrect a bad marriage because you're trusting Jesus. People are going to say, what did you do to get that? If you're a depressed person, if you're a discouraged person, if you're a person filled with doubts, and Jesus resurrects you into a life of hope and happiness and, and help, People are going to say, what did you do? 
And I, I don't know, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come out, and I just came out. I was wrapped up, I was bound up with my sin, I was bound up with, my, with, with death. Parts of me were rotting off. I just trusted the word of God. He said, come out so he can loose you and let you go. And when he lets you go in your freedom, people find Jesus. So when bad things happen, the question I have is, do you want to be the proof? Then come out of that cave. If bad things happen, the word of God is alive in that moment and he's trying to speak to you to call you out into a life of salvation, not a life of suffering. This illness doesn't always lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. God's just trying to get glory that people will see him as he really is. A loving, gracious Savior. And you're the proof. You're the proof. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Father, I think of anyone who's going through a difficult time right now that maybe they're just, just tired of the difficulties. And they're laying there in that grave, that dark place, that depressed place, that discouraged place. And they, they're living there, they're dwelling in that place. I just pray, Lord God, that they open their ears up to hear your voice today. That they wouldn't just be here and listen to someone read the scriptures to them. But they would hear your voice. Come out. Come out. Elsie, come out. Pat, come out. Kaylee, come out. You don't have to dwell in that dark place. Jesus will resurrect you. You're struggling in your marriage. Come out. Trust the voice of Jesus. You're struggling with your finances. Come out. Trust him struggling physically come out sit at the table with Jesus smell the fragrance of joy and peace and love come out come out come out you don't have to live there Maybe it's somebody that you love is living a dead life without Christ. Be the proof. Be the proof.
that Jesus, if Jesus can resurrect you from the dead, he can resurrect them from the dead. Be the proof. Don't dwell there any longer. Tell your friend there's Jesus Christ is right there to save them from their darkness. Father, I know you're calling. I know you're calling out to them. I know. I know. But we've got to hear your voice and stop hearing the voice of Satan who says you can't resurrect whatever's dying in our lives. Help us to submit ourselves to you. To trust you. Help them, Father, please, to hear the voice of your son, Jesus, calling out to them to come out. Maybe it's their sins that have separated them from you and they dwell in darkness. Let them walk away from those sins and come to a Savior who's called them. Called them unto salvation, the forgiveness of their sins through Jesus Christ. Please, Father. We're trying to follow your commandment to roll away the stones. To open the graves. To free people from the bondage that they're in. Father, we want to loose them and let them go. We want to let them go to life. Father, help us please to hear your voice. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just please for me so we're not distracted. Is there anyone in the room that would say, Pastor Andy, I'm living in a cave right now. I'm dwelling in darkness. I've been getting bad news. I'm in a bad place. Amen. You don't have to live there. And don't let pride keep you in. You're dwelling in darkness. Don't let pride keep you in the darkness. We're going to rejoice if you come out. I don't want to stand here dwelling at your funeral. I want to rejoice with you. I want to sit at the table with, with you, with Jesus. Smell the fragrance of forgiveness and love and life that comes from knowing Christ. Because you're the proof that Jesus can resurrect the dead. Let's worship for a minute.
pray for those who are in the cave right now. I pray that they hear your voice clearly. I hope they hear your name very clearly and loudly. And I want to pray for those who are the proof. Father, maybe they've forgotten what you've done for them, that you resurrected them from the dead. Remind us of who we were before we met you, of where we dwelt, where we lived, the way we lived. Remind us, Lord God, don't let us ever forget what you saved us from. That we would always try to be the proof that you, if you can resurrect me, you can resurrect anybody. If you can resurrect my marriage, you can resurrect anybody's marriage. If you can resurrect my life, you can resurrect anyone's life. Father, as we leave this place, let us be the proof that you are God. We love you so, and I pray that you be with this congregation. I encourage them, especially in the next few weeks, to be the proof. We love you so, and Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. I mean, guys, have a great day. Don't forget your kids, please.
Come out of the grave. 